What's up, everybody? My name is Shane Kohler, and this is The Conscious Love Show. Thanks so much for joining me here, where each week I'm sharing true-to-life insights and experiences from my journey and how I've created the loving and committed partnership I have today. I answer your questions and have live discussions with you so I can support you in your specific situation. And I bring in experts and people who know their stuff so we can all learn from their perspectives. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you'd leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love. Okay, so welcome everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Conscious Love Show. Shane here, as always, an honor and a pleasure to be here with you today. Um, the topic for today's conversation, I've been thinking a lot about it for the last couple of weeks, and I'm really excited to dive in with you, is we're going to be talking about the parallel realities of self. And even as I say that, some of you are probably like, I have no idea what that means, and that's totally okay because... <laughs> Um, it probably doesn't mean much to a lot of people, but it's going to mean a lot to you by the end of this episode, because what I really want to talk about today is more of a spiritual metaphysical conversation. We're talking about the mechanics of reality and how it actually works to, um, to manifest and to create a reality. And um, I'm going to share a lot about that today. So I'm excited to dive in. It's a big conversation. I'm going to do my best to break it down with some um, some insight and some detail in a way that really makes it uh, palatable and, and relevant for you wherever you are in your life, whatever might be going on for you. Um, specifically, within the context of relationships and whether you're in a romantic partnership and you're trying to create a certain result in it, um, or whether you are whether you are single and you're trying to create the relationship of your dreams or you find yourself anywhere in the middle, um, this conversation can be very powerful for you because really the, the power to create is something we're born with. It's our birthright. It's, it's inherent in who we are. You know, we are, we are made by a creator and we are a creator ourselves, right? We come from creation. We are part of creation and, and something that is endowed in us as a part of creation is the ability to also create. And, this is something that we haven't really been taught in our lives, right? It's, it's something that throughout our lives, um, we have not been taught how to create. Um, in fact, if, if like you look, at, you look at the world we're brought up in and how we're raised and the impressions that are given to us as we're growing up, creativity is not a strong um, push for us at least in the Western world, and I, I'm, I'm sure it's the same in many, many other places too, right? But there's not a strong push for creativity. Creativity is considered to be something, yeah, you do in your free time when you have fun. You know, like most people believe that like you can't really make a living from your passion. Um, that's changing. I think more and more people are starting to find ways to do that in the modern world. But you know, historically and in the context most of us were raised in, people would say, you know, don't pursue your passion, get a real job. And the, the messages that are being sent to us underneath that is like our creative ability is constantly under attack. Like our creative ability is constantly being diminished and in favor for survival, right? So I remember this is what my dad told me when I was a kid. He said, be a lawyer, 
right? Because he thought I would be good at it. He knew I could make a lot of money doing it. And that was like really the only concern. Like he spent his whole life doing pool construction and he's like working in the hot sun down in a swimming pool in South Florida, like working with his strength and his hands and like just beating his body up every day in the hot sun to earn a living. And in his mind, in his perspective, in the world that he came from, he's like, well, if you could be a lawyer and you get to dress up in a suit every day and stand in an air conditioned courtroom and make a lot more money than I'm making doing that, like that would be a good life for you. And he wasn't wrong to say that based on his perspective. But the problem is, is he was speaking from a very limited perspective, right? He was speaking from a scarcity context. He was speaking from a limited context. He was speaking from a fear-based context. He was speaking from being disconnected from his own creative ability, being disconnected from his own creative potential and not really understanding what's available for him in life. And so when he was raising me to the degree that he did, he was sending me those messages. He was giving me limited messages coming from a limited reality. And we all got that to some degree, right? Each of us in our own lives, in our own ways, with our parents and our circumstances, we've all gotten limited impressions about who we are, about what's possible for us, about how great our creative ability really is. And most of us have not been encouraged to follow our creative ability, but rather we've been encouraged to follow some prescribed path of success, which in, in our world equates to survival, right? It's not like success in the way most people think about it is not like ultimate success, like living a really fulfilled life. Again, I think it's changing into that more and more as we evolve. But success equals survival in most people's mind, right? You live in a nice house, you have plenty of money, you have food on the table, you don't have to worry about things, right? It's not about having the ultimate most fulfilled life, but it's about surviving in an attractive way, right? Or even if you look at what we do with marriage, right? People say, we've been married for 50 years and that somehow like being married for 50 years is considered a huge success, even if you don't love each other, right? Like, and, but again, it's about survival, right? We got together, we stayed together, we held on no matter what. It doesn't matter if we're, it doesn't matter if we're fulfilled. It doesn't matter if we're happy. It doesn't matter if we're in love. What matters is that we're surviving, right? And so the world, because of the darkness that I think the world historically has lived in, and, and I mean, if you look at what's happening in the world right now, and I, I definitely don't want to get into the details of it because I don't, I don't think I'm necessarily the best person to speak on it. But, you know, if you look at what's happening in Gaza and, and uh, Israel right now, if you look at what's happening in um, uh, the Ukraine, right? Or, and those are just some obvious examples. And there are things like that happening all over the world. And things like this have been happening all over the world, basically since the beginning of time. And actually I would say it, it might be hard to see, but really we are in the most enlightened stage of human evolution right now that we've ever been all throughout human history. And I know you look around the world, you see how fucked up it is and human trafficking and all this stuff going on. You go, how could we possibly be in the most enlightened stage in all of human history? Well, that just shows you when you really look at it, that shows you how dark human history is, right? That with all the fucked up stuff that's happening in the world right now, we are in the most enlightened stage of human history. Like that just shows you how fucked up our history really is. And the reason I'm presencing that right now is because 
you really need to be connected to and understand the dark history that we come from as human beings so you can understand where you are in the universe right now and who you are that let me put it this way. Let me put it this way, because there's a teacher named Ram Das. Some of you are probably familiar with Ram Das. Um, he's one of the most impactful teachers in my entire life. I mean, I would definitely recommend for everybody to like just study his teachings. I think he's one of the greatest spiritual teachers in, in the modern times. Um, but Ram Das talks about it like this. He says, from the time you're born, you go into somebody training. Right. And your parents and your teachers and your classmates and everyone around you is teaching you to be somebody. Right. The whole world around you is teaching you who you are. And so from the time we're born, we go into this somebody training and the world around us is teaching us who we are. And they're teaching us this from a very dark perspective of who they believe they are coming out of this thousands of years of generational trauma from this very dark history that human beings have. And I say all this to say, I don't want to beat a dead horse with this point, but I say all this to say is that you have been taught that you are not a creator. You have been taught that you do not have creative power. And you have been taught that the results of your life are not up to the, the power that lives inside of you, but rather it's up to the things that are happening around you and that you are a victim of circumstance, that your life results are conditional on the circumstances that surround you. Nothing could be less true. But when you buy into that, it becomes true for you in the same way that your parents bought into it and their grandparents bought into it and your great-grandparents bought into it. And the whole world has been buying into this as far back as we can see. And when you buy into it and your whole country and your whole culture buys into it, it becomes the reality. But you've got to understand it only became the reality as a result of your creative ability and the collective creative ability of all the people around you co-creating that reality. So even when it seems like you're a victim of circumstance, even when it seems like you're powerless, even when it seems like your life is not under your control, you've created that. And so in addressing this conversation about parallel realities of self, and how is this relevant for us? What does this really mean for us? Well, I want you to think about it like this. And some of what I'm going to share in today's conversation may blow your mind. Some of what I'm going to share in today's conversation may seem like a fantasy. It may seem like, how could that possibly be true? This seems so far out there. It seems like a science fiction book. Like, are you actually telling me these things? And I get it. Like when, when these ideas were first given to me, it sounded that way too. But what I came to understand is it only sounded that way because of the view of reality that I had been sold since the time I was born. You see, I had been raised in a world that conditioned me to have a certain view of reality. And because I had that conditioned view of reality, when people started telling me how reality actually worked, it sounded crazy. Because I believed that reality was a certain way. I believed that I was a physical being living in a physical world surrounded by real concrete objects and concrete people and real events that are really happening that, and, and all of this, right? And so 
If I were to introduce an idea to you, and I want you to stick with me on this, some of you might resist these ideas, but see if you can stick with this with an open mind, because if you can really start to change your personal view of reality, what becomes available to you in your life will also change. So in this, let me, let me present a couple of ideas for you. Like what if I were to say that life is just a dream? You go to sleep at night and you're dreaming and then you wake up and you believe that your waking reality is somehow different from your dreaming reality, right? When you're asleep, when you're asleep, you're having all these dreams. They seem very real. You believe they're real while you're in them. There's even sometimes continuity where you go to sleep and you wake up in the same dream that you had the night before and you continue living the life that you were living in that dream, right? That happens sometimes. And yet when we wake up from our dreams, we think that our waking reality is different from our sleeping reality. But what if we were just moving from one dream to another? Is that possible? Like, can, can you entertain that? Like, what if nothing was real? What if everything was imagined? Now, I know these are, these are crazy ideas, right? And you've been conditioned to think that I'm real, my body's real, this world is real, this table's real, the people I see are real, it's all very real, it's all very solid, it's all very concrete. But what if that was a dream? When you're dreaming, it seems that all the images in your dream are real, doesn't it? You believe it wholeheartedly. If there's a tiger chasing you in your dream, you wake up sweating. Right? If your partner cheats on you in your dream, you wake up mad. It all feels real while it's happening. Well, what if all of life was like that? What if the entire universe was a dream? You see, this is what I have come to understand about life as being the actual truth. And all of the all of the things in my consciousness that resisted these ideas and said, it can't be true, it can't be like that, that's too far out, that's too crazy. The more I entertain these ideas and the more I live with them, the more I practice them, the more I try them on, the more life continues to prove to me that they are actually true. Now, this wasn't the view of life that I was sold as a kid. Right? And it wasn't the view of life that you were sold as a kid. But at some point, we've got to look around and go, this world is way too freaking crazy to be real. <laughs> right? Like when, when you really start to, when you really start to um, question your reality and you really start to look around and go, what is really going on here? You see, so many of my questions about life were answered when I started entertaining life from this perspective. And I started to look out at, you know, like a question I always had, you know, if, if God were real, if God were real and God loves us, then why would he create such a fucked up world and drop us off in it to fend for ourselves, right? Like that was a question that plagued me from the time I was a little kid. If God is real and God loves us, then why did he create such a fucked up world and drop me off in it and leave me alone to fend for myself? Right? It's like if you imagine your parent dropping you off in this world and saying, figure it out with no help or no guidance, like that's not very loving, right? Well, if it wouldn't be loving for our parents to do that, then how is it loving for God to do that? Well, when I started to look at life through a different lens and I started to look at life and say, well, what if, what if we all exist in God's imagination? 
right? What if God is the big creator, the ultimate creator, right? The source, the thing that everything comes from, the essence, the primordial essence of life, whatever you want to call it, right? What if that's God? God is the big creator. And then God is dreaming or imagining a universe in which all kinds of things are happening infinitely. I mean, like things you can't even possibly imagine are happening in the universe right now. Things that we couldn't even wrap our mind around, things that we couldn't even conceive of are actual realities that beings are living in somewhere in the universe right now. And so what if, what if the whole universe existed in God's imagination and we were a part of that imagination? We were one of the imagined things in God's imagination. But something that's really cool that comes with being a part of God's imagination is you get your own imagination. You get your own imagination and you get to imagine things too. So in the same way that God is dreaming up this entire universe, imagining this entire universe with all these wild, crazy things happening, planets at war, planets at peace, people killing each other, people loving each other, and everything in between. And God is imagining all of it. And then here I am, this little guy, this little one person standing in the middle of the universe somewhere on this little rock called Earth. And here I am, made in the image and likeness of the Creator, right? That's a, that's a line we've heard a lot throughout our lives, that we're made in the image and the likeness of our Creator. Well, what does that mean? I don't think it means that God has a body like this. I don't, I don't think it means that, you know, God has to cut his toenails and cut his hair and shit like that. I don't think that's what it means. I think made in the image and likeness of our Creator means that we are endowed with the same power as our Creator. What does that mean? We have the ability to dream. We have the ability to imagine. We have the ability to form a picture in our minds and get connected to that picture on an emotional level and have that picture manifest as a physical reality. In the same way that God can dream up an entire universe, we within our circle of influence can dream up our own universe. And so this world can look for us the way we want it to. In the biggest dream, in the most fulfilling dream, in the widest, deepest, most beautiful picture you can imagine, you can create that. It's a possibility. But there are other possibilities too. And so when we talk about parallel realities of self, this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about from the time you're born, you are pure potential. Nothing is set. Now, I, I do think there's a such thing as karma. And karma is kind of like a curriculum, if you think about it like that. Karma is kind of like a curriculum. It's like, you know, if you think about like major life events, like who your parents are, right? Who your parents are, are part of your karma. Um, the, the major experiences you'll go through, like major heartbreaks, or major losses in your life. Like these, these things can be like, like karma, where it's like your curriculum. Like these are the guideposts that are going to shape your journey, right? So when you dream up this reality, you dream up certain elements in it. You dream up a mother and a father, 
You dream up certain relationships in your life. You dream up certain experiences. And these experiences are going to be the guideposts in your life that kind of shape your journey for you. They put you on the path. They keep you on the path. They, they give you the information that you need in order to become the creator that you're meant to be. But then, so we could say karma is kind of like a starting point. It's kind of like, you know, in this life, you're guaranteed to experience certain things. You're guaranteed to feel certain things. You're guaranteed to struggle with certain things. And these are, the, these are like the lessons or the curriculum that are shaping you into the person you need to be. And then aside from your karmic curriculum, we'll call it, right? The, the kind of guideposts that are set in place when you come into this world, everything else is flexible. Everything else is flexible. And so... If, if you imagine like it actually AI and AI is very new, but I've been playing around with it recently and AI is just incredible. Like the, the intelligence that AI has is just, it's unlike anything we've ever experienced before. It, it, it is, it is very insane how intelligent AI is, but if you look at AI, it can actually, it can actually give us a glimpse into how like the mind of God works because what AI could do, if you, were to, if you were to create a program in a computer like this, and you were to say, okay, here's this person being born into the world. These are the conditions of their mother. These are the conditions of their father. These are, say, three to five core experiences they're going to go through in their life. And then, you, and then you could tell AI, based on this starting set of conditions, tell me all the possible outcomes. And AI could literally sit there and calculate all the possible outcomes infinitely, right? Like there would be billions of possible outcomes. And AI could literally calculate that, right? So if AI could do it, God could definitely do it, right? Because AI is just like a, it's just like a, a little piece of God, right? It's not the whole thing. It's just like a little tiny piece of it, right? So if AI could do it, God could definitely do it. So think about it like this. From the time you were born, from the moment you chose to incarnate in this world, all the possible ways that your life could work out were already set. The billions of different possibilities for how your life could unfold were already set from the moment you came into this world. And these are parallel realities. We could say on some level, these things actually exist. Right? Like these are, these are real potentials for who you could be based on the calculations of your starting point and all the, all the information that went into your starting point and all the possible ways it could work out. There are billions and billions of variables and your life could potentially work out to any one of those billions of variables. And yet, even though there are billions of realities that could potentially manifest in your life, you're only going to end up with one of them. Now think about that for a moment. Billions of possible ways that your life could work out. You could end up desperate and alone and sad and depressed and addicted to drugs or alcohol. You could end up in a deeply loving and passionate, committed relationship with someone who really gets you and understands you and supports you and cares about you, right? You could, you could end up traveling the world, seeing the most amazing, like, I mean, just, I'm just giving some examples, right? It could be anything. Could be all of this, right? But out of all these potentials, you're only going to experience one of these realities. 
So what is the thing, what is the factor that determines which one you'll experience? That's the big question, right? The thing that determines which one you'll experience is the dominant vibrational frequency that you carry throughout your life. So let me put it this way. Each one of these potential realities, right? If we look at from the time you're born, there are billions and billions of possible ways your life could work out. Each one of these potential realities, they're all parallel realities, they all exist, they're all real, or as they're as, let me put it, they're not any more real than this one is, but they're just as real as this one. Okay, let's put it that way. The thing that is going to, this is what I was saying. So each of these billions of parallel realities, they all have a frequency, a very specific frequency. There's an energetic signature assigned to each of these realities, right? Every possible way your life could work out has a vibrational energetic signature that's tied to it. It is the, if, if we were to look at this, like this is what we do when we create like video games and things like that right? We have a certain picture that we want to create and there's a code that we put into the computer that generates that picture. Like life is really not that different than a video game. I know it sounds crazy to think that, but there's actually, and when you, when you imagine a certain reality, when you imagine falling in love with your ideal partner and being loved and held and cherished and treated well and cared for and nurtured and supported for the rest of your life, when you imagine that reality, there is actually an energetic signature that is tied to that reality. It's like the kind of code you would put into, into a computer, right? There's a vibrational energetic signature that is the information that represents that reality. And if you as an individual align yourself in your lifetime with that vibrational signature, then you will manifest that reality. That's how creation works. So there's a version of reality where you're deeply loved and held and cherished and appreciated and honored and supported for your entire life by somebody who loves you. And there's a reality where you end up desperate and alone and craving love and constantly being disappointed and left out to the point where you just resign yourself and you give up and you decide it's hopeless and it's never going to work out for you, right? Both of these are realities. Both of these exist. And they both have very specific energetic signatures attached to them. And the reality that manifests for you is going to be the one that is reflective of the energetic signature that you embody, that defines your life, that characterizes your life. Now, I wanna take a moment here to just quickly speak into the Inspired Love Program a little bit. And, and the reason I wanna do that is because there's a chart we work with in the Inspired Love Program. And um, some of you may have heard of David Hawkins. I don't know if, if, if you've ever heard of David Hawkins, but David Hawkins, um, was a, a brilliant, brilliant man. He's a PhD professor. Um, I, I would say one of the most enlightened teachers of our time. I mean, David Hawkins is just a brilliant, brilliant teacher. 
um, he, he, I think, I believe he's passed now, but he, he was just one of the most brilliant thinkers and teachers and his, his intuitive insight into life and how life works is just amazing. So, I mean, you could pick up any one of his books, but the one where he put forth the chart that I'm about to tell you about, um, that one was called power versus force. And that I think that was his first book. That'd be a great book to start with, but any of his books are amazing. But in the book, power versus force, he presented this chart. And what this chart was, was a vibrational scale. The lowest vibration being shame and the highest vibration being enlightenment. And what he did was he basically mapped out every vibrational state that a human being can experience in their life. And so, I mean, there are the, the chart we work with in Inspired Love is a is kind of a limited chart. It has maybe 10 or maybe 15 different vibrations on it. But um, there are expanded versions of this chart that have hundreds, if not thousands, of different vibrational states, right? This People have gone very, very deep with this chart. But um, my point in saying this is, is that what he did was he quantified, he quantified the vibrational experience of human beings. And he actually demonstrated that there are very specific vibrational states, the lowest being shame or the one that's lower than shame is death, right? When you reach like the absolute lowest vibration, you just don't even have enough energy to sustain a body anymore. Um, and then the highest one being enlightenment. And in between shame and enlightenment, you have things like fear, desire, anger, gratitude, joy, love, willingness, courage, openness. Um, these are all different vibrational states. Now, I would say the kind of relationship, and this is what we do in Inspired Love, is, is we actually, we, we work with this vibrational scale. And we, um, what we do is we go through very specific processes. So what, what the Inspired Love program is, let me just put it this way is it's it's a process where you go through very specific exercises and we present very specific tools that are designed to have you release the identity that you created based on your past. So if you were with me when I started talking about this, I started talking about the thousands of years of darkness that our world historically has lived in, right? I, I talked about how our grandparents and our great-grandparents and our parents were brought up in that world. And there's been thousands of years of generational trauma that have been handed down and passed down to us. And you say, oh my God, why is dating so hard? Why is it such a nightmare? Why is it so hard to meet any good people? Well, look at what we've been handed. Look at the generational trauma that's been handed down to us. And you're not the only one who got it. Everyone you're trying to date got it too. So it's really not surprising that it's so hard to get by in this world, that it's so hard to find love. Like actually, when you really understand what this world is and how it came into being, it makes perfect sense that it's a nightmare to find love in this world because there's not a lot of love in this world. There's just not. There is way more fear in this world than there is love. And so what we do in the Inspired Love Program is I take you through a series of exercises, somatic processes, distinctions, and discussions, and some coaching that we do that what it actually does is it releases that old identity. 
It lets go of that old identity, that generational trauma that came from your great-grandparents to your grandparents to your parents down to you, and it just keeps getting passed on. The work we do in the program actually releases that old identity. So you no longer identify as somebody in that old reality. Rather than being identified by your past, your trauma, your old reality, what we do is we, we create a new identity based on a vision for the future. Right, so this new identity based on a vision for the future. And what I say in the program is that the kind of love that we want to experience in life, right, when you imagine that ultimate fulfilling relationship, whatever that looks like for you, when you imagine falling to sleep at night, being held in the arms of your partner and being spoken to softly and waking up and kissing each other good morning and starting your day together and living your life together, right, whatever that picture looks like for you, when you imagine that relationship, that relationship can only be experienced at the vibrational state of love, which is a real vibration on, on David Hawkins scale. He, he maps it out, right? There is an actual vibrational state of love or above, right? So you could have it at the vibration of love or above that. And so when it comes to creating your reality, the parallel realities of self, all the different potentials that your life could unfold into, right? The one that will manifest for you, this is what I said earlier, it's going to be the one that is reflective of the vibrational signature that you embody. So the vibration of love, this vibrational state of love, we could say that's the level, that's the state, that's the place in which you manifest love externally, right? When, you're, when your core vibration, when every aspect of your being, when every cell of your body and your consciousness is vibrating at the frequency of love, that is when every aspect outside of you will reflect love. So your intimate partnership will be a reflection of love. Your friendships will be a reflection of love. Your family relationships will be a reflection of love. Your work will be an expression of your love. Whatever you do for a living, it will be something you do as an expression of your love. When you live at the vibration of, your, of love on the inside, everything on the outside has to be a reflection of that. This is vibrational law. This is the way God set it up when he created the universe. Now, some of you might be struggling with, is it really that simple? Is it really that simple? Well, it actually is that simple, but it's not that easy. Right? Like this is, I know I make it sound really simple when I say just vibrate at the frequency of love and everything outside of you will turn into love. Like, I know I make it sound really simple when I say that, but it's actually really hard to vibrate at the frequency of love consistently. And what I would say is look at your day so far today or look at yesterday or look at the last week and ask yourself, how many times do I experience things that are not in the vibration of love? How many times in a day? How many times in a week? How many times do I feel sad? 
How many times do I feel frustrated? How many times do I feel angry? How many times do I judge and criticize? How many times do I criticize myself, criticize other people? How many times, what resentments do I hold on to? Right? What am I angry about? What am I hurt by? What are my fears? How much time of my day do I sit around and ruminate about what's going to happen? And is it going to work out in my favor? Are they going to like me? Are they going to ghost me? Right? I mean, like, just think about all the stuff that is not love that exists in our consciousness. For most of you, and I'll include myself in that. I mean, honestly, I've come a long way with it, but it's still there to a degree. But for most of us, it's a lot. It's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of our day. It's a lot of our time. It's a lot of our energy is caught up in fear and stress and anxiety and worry and trying to manipulate and control things and, and like not loving. Like none of that is love. Actually, the moment I fall into all of that, I have lost love. The moment I fall into all of that, I no longer have access to love. And so in the chart, I want to I go back to the chart that, um, that I was sharing about with David Hawkins because the chart is really, it's just, it's one of the most profound things I've, I've come across in my life. And that's why I, I use it in the program because I, I think it is so profound. In the chart, he shares that each vibrational state comes with a corresponding emotion and a corresponding worldview. Now, there's a level um, on, the, on the chart, it's level 125. It's called the level of desire. It's one level above fear. So you have the level of fear, level 100, desire, level 125. At the level of desire, the related emotional experience is craving and the related belief system or worldview is disappointing. Now, I'm going to assert that planet Earth right now, in our current stage of evolution, is dominated by the level of desire. Now, just think about that for a moment. Now, I want to just make sure I'm presenting this clearly, okay? Every single vibrational frequency has a corresponding emotion and a corresponding worldview. What does that mean? It means that when you are living at that frequency, when you are embodied in that frequency, there is only one way you can feel and only one perspective through which you can see the world. Now, if you want to feel differently and you want to see the world through a new perspective, what you actually need to do is you need to change your vibrational state. The vibrational state generates the emotions and the worldview. So at the level of desire, the emotion you experience is craving. What is craving? It's emptiness. It's lack. It's insufficiency. It's not enough. I need more. There's an emptiness in me that I need to feel, or excuse me, I need to fill, right? There's an emptiness in me I need to fill. There's something missing. I'm not enough. I'm not lovable enough. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I'm not capable enough. I can't do what I need to do, right? This is all craving. It's an experience of lack and needing more. It's an experience of not enoughness, unworthiness. 
This is the vibrational state that dominates our world. People say, I don't, underst I don't understand why I feel so unworthy. This is why. It's because you were brought up in a world of unworthiness. It's because 90% of the impressions you've gotten from the time you were born were impressions of unworthiness. That's why you feel so unworthy. And that is the vibrational experience that the majority of the world is living in. And then the, the point of view or the perspective that comes from that state of craving is disappointment. Meaning that as long as I live and I embody the vibration of desire, what's going to happen is I am going to feel an emptiness, an insufficiency, and a lack in my life and in myself. And all of my experiences are going to be disappointing to me. Now, this is like, I'm sharing this because this is where people come to me, right? And, and we start doing the work. And what we have are people who are living in the vibration of desire, running on a hamster wheel, doing this thing and that thing and the other thing and everything they can possibly think of to try to change the circumstances of their life. They're doing everything outside of themselves, but they're not changing their vibrational state. And so what's happening is they're doing this and doing that and doing the other thing and doing all this stuff to try to get what they want in life. But no matter what they do, they still feel that craving. They still feel that emptiness. No matter what they do, they're still disappointed. They date this guy and that guy and the other guy and their friend introduces them to someone and they get on the dating apps and they get off the dating apps and they go on a hiking group and they go to church and they go everywhere. But no matter what they do, they end up disappointed. Because they're not changing the vibrational state that they operate from. They're changing things outside of themselves, but they're not changing things inside. At the vibration of love, the emotional state that comes with love is harmonious. What's the word? I'm, there's a there's this very specific word I'm trying to think of here. Well, it's God, God I'm trying to think of the word. It, it's something along the lines of gratitude and appreciation and harmony. Okay, I'm, I'm trying to think of the exact word he uses on the chart, and I'm drawing a blank right now, but it's something along the lines of gratitude, appreciation, and harmony. So let's just work with that for a moment. Okay, let's work with at the vibrational state of love. When you are embodied, when every cell of your being is vibrating at the level of love, the emotional state that you experience, reverence, that's the word. Thank you. Thank me, I guess. I don't know. Thank somebody. It came to me, right? Reverence. Reverence is the word. So you experience reverence. What is reverence? It's like deep gratitude and appreciation for everything you see. It's seeing the beauty. It's seeing the perfect work of art, the, the beautiful like masterpiece of creation in every single thing you see. It's seeing God's hand in everyone and everything all the time. Reverence gratitude, appreciation from the vibrational state of love, that's how you feel. 
Now, what is the worldview or the perspective from the vibrational state of love? It is benign. Now, what does that mean, benign? It means there is no harm. Nothing is going to hurt me. Nothing is out to get me. I am inherently safe. The universe is made out of goodness. The universe is made out of love, and I am a part of that. Therefore, the universe is inherently benign. Now, I want to just contrast these two things. On the one hand, we have the vibration of desire, which creates an emotional experience of craving and a worldview of disappointment. And we have the vibrational state of love, which creates an emotional experience of reverence, gratitude, appreciation, and a worldview of benign. Things being benign, things being non-harmful. Now, if you look at these two perspectives, these two uh, states of being, and you're honest with yourself about which one you experience more, which one is more frequent, more regular, more readily available for you? I mean, there are exceptions out there, sure. But most people are going to say desire defines my experience. I'm always seeking something that I think is going to make me happy. I'm pushing, I'm chasing, I'm fighting, I'm forcing, I'm trying. And I end up disappointed over and over and over and over again. And if that is your experience of life, and I'm saying this with so much love right now, if that is your experience of life, if you find yourself constantly craving and constantly being disappointed, you've got to learn to stop blaming the external things for that. Right? You've got to learn to stop blaming the people you date for that. Stop blaming the dating app. Stop blaming whatever. Like You've got to learn to stop blaming things outside of you for the fact that you always feel empty and you always feel disappointed. And you've got to recognize that that is a reflection of the vibrational state that you live in. And it doesn't matter what you do until you shift that vibrational state, you will continue to feel that way and see things that way. And if you spend your life in that state, you will land in a version of reality in one of infinite amount of parallel realities. You will land in the one that is reflective of that state. That's just the way creation works. That's just the way the game is set up. So what am I telling you to do? I'm telling you to feel better and see things from a better perspective for no reason at all. Most people won't do that, right? Like I am telling you to literally go out in your life Learn to see the beauty and have love and gratitude and appreciation for everything, no matter what. And I'm telling you to, to like feel safe, to feel at home, 
to see things as benign, as non-harmful, to stop trying to protect yourself, to be vulnerable, to be open-hearted. And to do this and to be this, again, for no reason at all. And most people won't do that. We're too afraid to do that. Say, if I do that, I'm going to get hurt. If I do that, I'm going to be judged. If I do that, I'm going to be made a fool. If I do that, I'm going to spend my whole life hoping for something. And at the end of the day, I'm going to be disappointed that it didn't happen for me. And I will have wasted my whole life hoping for something just to feel like a fool at the end of the day. And you know what I say to that? Fine. Be right that it'll never happen for you. Live in that vibration. Manifest that reality. And you will have been right all along. And so the question becomes, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? And most people, sadly, would rather be right than be happy. People would rather be right about how they don't have the power to create it, about how it's not possible for them, about how it's the other person's fault, but I'm not to blame. People would rather be right about our own limitations than to really open our hearts and live completely vulnerable and completely free in the world and say whatever happens, happens, and I don't mind what happens. I'm just going to live my journey to the fullest. We have too much fear to do that. And so we would rather be right about how I can't do it. It's not possible for me. And that is why there is so much suffering in the world. And that is what keeps us stuck at the vibrational state of desire. You know, we use love like a currency. It's so fucked up the, what we do with love. Like, love is what we're made of. Love is, love is the primordial essence of the universe. Like, lo love is the, the beginning and the source of everything. And here in this reality we've created, we withhold it. And we use it as like, like I'll, I'll give you love if you do this for me. And we use it like a currency. We use it as a tool for manipulation. Like, can you feel how hurtful that is? Like love, love should be the thing that is being given by everyone all the time for no reason. Like if we were to really live a life reflective of our truth, we would just be giving love all the time to everyone for no reason. It's like when I get on here and do this podcast every week, like that's, that's kind of what I'm doing, right? I'm just here sharing love for no reason. I could be doing anything right now. I'm doing this for no reason. I don't have to do this. I'm just doing it to do it. Why? Because I'm made of love and it's inside of me and it wants to come out. And I've found a channel through which I can let it come out. Because that is the best way to authentically be myself. And the question I'm posing to you, could you be courageous enough to love like that? You know, Jesus said this, and I'm not necessarily a Christian, but uh, Jesus is one of my 
you know, role models or leaders or whatever you call it. <laughs> but, you know, Jesus said this. He said, love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. You know, it's funny how a whole religion grew up around this teacher that doesn't largely live by that rule. Some, some of them do. I'm not making a statement about everybody, right? Some of them do. But at large, the religion that grew up around Jesus does not live by that rule. Love your enemies and do good to those who persecute you. And yet that's what he taught. One of the greatest, like this teacher was so great that his life literally divided our time from before he was born and after he was born. That's, whether you agree with him or not, his teaching was so great that it changed the entire world. And the core of his teaching was love your enemies and do good to those who persecute you. And so the question I have for everyone here is could you be courageous enough to do that? Could you be courageous enough to love fully and unconditionally? Or are you going to let fear determine how much you love and when you love? And are you going to hide afraid behind your protective wall and give love out? Well, I'll give it to you or I'll give it to you, but no, not you. No, not you. And you're going to use love like a currency, like a tool for manipulation, like a, like a strategy to get what you want. Oh, I'll give you a little bit of love if you do this for me. Or if you're exactly who I want you to be. And how you choose to relate to love will ultimately determine your vibrational state and your relationship with all of life and all the relationships that come into your life. You know, there's, a, there's one principle that I think is the most fundamental principle that any of us could live by. And it's the principle of responsibility. The willingness to be responsible for our own lives. And, you know, I have, I have just as many reasons to be a victim as anyone. I mean, I had a narcissist father. I had a mother who, God, she loved me, but she lacked some fundamental skills. I grew up in poverty. I grew up with religious extremism. You know, when I was 13 years old, my dad and his friends got me addicted to drugs and set me on a path where I would end up in jail when I was 18 and spent two years of my life in jail, get out when I was 20. And by the time I got out of jail, my dad abandoned me. And I, I found myself 20 years old, zero life skills, completely alone in the world. Abandoned by my father who got me on that track in the first place. And I'm not sharing that to tell you my victim story. I'm sharing that to tell you that I have every reason to be a victim if I wanted to be. And yet I've chosen not to be. So how do I view my life then? And I want to share this with you because it's relevant for this conversation. How do I view my life? 
Well, first of all, I think I chose my mother and I chose my father. I think I chose to incarnate in this world. And when I made that choice, I also chose the people that I would incarnate with. A couple of teenagers hooking up on the side of a mountain in Kansas. There are no mountains in Kansas. Hooking up on the side of a hill in Kansas. <laughs> Those are my parents. A couple of high school kids fooling around on the side of a hill in Kansas. That's who I chose to incarnate with. I think the core experiences of my life, the loss of my grandmother at 11 years old, the loss of my first love at 16 years old, going to jail when I was 18. Um, there are more, but I'll just, I'll start with those. I think the core experiences of my life were predestined. I think they were set up intentionally as a part of my curriculum because they would give me the greatest potential to become who I am today. So all the things that I could have been a victim about, all the things that I could have made the excuses or the reasons why I couldn't have this fantastic life actually became the, the experiences in my life that fueled me having this amazing life. But only only because I was able to get myself to a vibrational state in which I could feel that way about it and I could see it from that perspective. Because from a lower vibrational state, I could look at my life and say, I never even got a chance. Look at who my parents were. Look at all the trauma I experienced. I was, I was let out of jail at 20 years old with no life skills and no support and no family. I didn't have a chance. What, what could I have possibly done with my life? I didn't have a chance. Right? That could have been my story. And I'm so grateful to the mentors and the teachers and the the authors who have written incredible books and, and everything that I've been exposed to that have helped me not fall into that mindset. And I'm also I'm also so grateful to myself and something that was inside of me and I don't know what this is or where it came from, but something that was inside of me enough, that believed in me enough to read those books and find those mentors and do that work so that my life could turn out this way. And what I want to encourage each of you to do right now is find that same thing within yourself. Like, this is the message for today. And I don't care where you are. I don't care how badly you're hurting. It's not that I don't care, but I'm, my point is that it's not, a, it's not a blockage. It doesn't matter how badly you're hurting. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter who your parents were. It doesn't matter what kind of trauma you've experienced. It doesn't matter. 
because you can find that place inside of yourself that believes in you. And what I want you to hear today is that dream that you have, that deep, passionate love to be loved, to be held, to be in partnership with someone. It might seem very far away right now. It might seem like it's hopeless. It might seem impossible. But but what I want you to get from today's message is that it already exists. It's already a reality from the time you were born. The algorithm already worked it out that that was a potential for you. You couldn't imagine it if it wasn't. I want you to get that. If that wasn't a real potential for you, you could not even imagine it. The fact that you can imagine it shows you that it's within your consciousness. It's within your context. It's a real possibility. It's a real potential for you. And that reality, when you imagine it, it has a vibrational signature to it. And all you need to do is tune into that vibrational signature. All you need to do is just connect to that vibrational signature. Get informed by it. Start to feel the same vibration when you paint that picture in your mind and you imagine all the ways it could look and all the ways it could be and all the ways it could feel and all the things you could do and all the places you could go and the ways you would talk to each other and the ways that that partnership would look for you. When you paint that picture in your mind and you can see it, you can imagine it. All you need to do is feel the vibrational essence of that. Feel what that feels like to live in that picture. The moment you feel that, you are matching that vibration. And all you need to do is practice that. Practice getting into that state every day. Getting into that vibrational state every day. Connecting to that every day. What will start to happen is that image that vision that you paint, that picture that you imagine in your mind, that will start to become more real than the reality that you look around and see outside of you. Because you've got to understand, they are both equally real. We we tend to think that what we imagine is somehow less real than what we see in front of us. It's not. They're both dreams. They're both imagined. And when you connect to how that feels, you are connecting to that vibrational signature. You're connecting to the vibrational state that represents that reality. And then what happens is, the more real that vision becomes for you, the more you might walk out your door and even though you're going through your life and you're going to work and you're talking to people and you're doing other things, In your heart, you feel like that's what's real. Yeah, I'm going to work. I'm talking to my family. I'm taking care of my kids. I'm doing my stuff. And even though I'm doing all this stuff, in my heart, I feel that that reality is more real than the one I'm currently living. And if you connect to that and you create that inside of yourself and and that becomes alive inside of you, It becomes real inside of you. It becomes the truth for you. 
and you just maintain that state. You maintain that vibrational state. You keep living in it. No matter what happens, no matter you get ghosted, someone breaks up with you, you go like, no matter what happens, you just keep living in that vibrational state. Little by little, your life is gonna change at first in very small ways, ways that you might barely even notice, but it's good to notice them. And then in bigger ways, 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 and in bigger ways, until one day you turn around and you go, oh my God, I'm living in the dream. I didn't even know how I got here. It was like it, was like it happened when I wasn't looking. All I did was I chose to get connected to that vibration every day and go about my life and let go of my fear and let go of my resentment, let go of my trauma and let go of my pain and all the stuff that was keeping me in these contracted, scary, painful vibrations. I just chose to let all of that go, to feel good and to be happy. And I kept doing that no matter what happened in my life. And one day I woke up and went, oh my God, the dream manifested. I didn't even realize it. It's like it happened when I wasn't looking. That's literally how it feels. And I say this as someone who has done this. I've done it with my wife and our marriage. I've done it with the home we live in now. I've done it with my career this work that I do, that I get to wake up every day and do something I love and be well compensated for it. Like I say, this is someone who's done it and I'm not bragging. I'm just talking about the same thing that's in me as in you and you can do it too. And so what I wanna invite you to now, and this is gonna be the last thing I say and then I'm gonna open up for some questions. And by the way, if anybody has questions, um, go ahead, drop them in the chat. As always, I'll get to as many as I can. Um, Last thing I wanna share today, because what I'm sharing with you are concepts. And concepts are fun, but they're ultimately useless. Right? I love reading books and getting all these ideas. It's, it, it inspires me. It excites me. It feels good. It's fun. But until I can meaningfully, meaningfully translate those concepts into real experience in my life, it's useless. It's just information. It doesn't do anything for me. And so what I'm sharing with you today are concepts. I'm sharing with you information. I'm sharing with you a perspective But the only way that what I shared with you today is going to be valuable for you is if you're able to meaningfully translate it into your life. And what I've done is I've created a step-by-step process where I literally take you by the hand and walk you step-by-step through every phase of the journey, bringing awareness to your past, how the story developed, how that old limited identity developed. And it happened uniquely for you. Yours is not the same as anyone else's. Right, so first you've got to recognize, how did that old identity develop? How did I come to know myself as the person I believe myself to be today? Then you've got to release the limiting impressions that are stuck in your body. That you've literally been carrying it with you like a load of dead weight. It's preventing you from being inspired. It's preventing you from being alive. It's preventing you from believing in great possibility. 
It's preventing you from feeling good. It's preventing you from knowing your worth, knowing your truth. It's preventing you from creating those boundaries. It's preventing you from doing everything you need to do in your life. It's trauma. It's pain. It's sadness. It's hurt. It's fear. It's shame. It's regret. It's resentment. It's all of that. And you've been carrying it with you. So you've got to let all of that go. And once you've done those two things, you are perfectly set up to create a brand new life moving forward where nothing will ever be the same for you ever again. Where the love that you've been waiting for will come into your life as naturally as a palm tree grows on the beach. Why does a palm tree grow on the beach? Because the beach is the perfect environment for a palm tree. Well, when you are the perfect environment for love, love will be in your life just like that palm tree is on the beach because this is the way the whole universe works. When something is the perfect environment, that thing has to manifest. If you don't believe me, just go look at nature. Nature's showing it to us all the time. So if you're ready to take that journey, if you're ready to really have me guide you through this process step by step, what I want you to do is you can DM me on Instagram just let me know that you're interested in the Inspired Love program. We'll send you all the details. Um, you can email me. It's Shane and Fatima at the living relationship.com. That's S H A N E A N D F A T I M A at the living relationship.com. You can email me there. Tell me you're interested in the program. We'll send you all the details. My team is waiting right now to meet with you to break the program down for you, to hear your story, to answer all of your questions. We're not gonna push anything on you. If, if this program isn't right for you, we don't want you to be in there. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk to you, we're gonna hear your story, we're gonna support you, and we're going to help you make this decision. And look, I mean, most people do choose to do the program just because it's the right thing, but if it's not, we don't want you there. And, and we actually even have a money-back guarantee where if you sign up for the program, you attend for the first three weeks, and you don't think it's the right thing for you, we give you your money back, no question asked. And I've given out a lot of refunds. Most people don't ask for a refund. I'd say 90% of people don't, but some people do. And if it's not right for you, I don't want you in the program, right? So we have done everything we can to make this available for you because we want you to be in there. Like you have, you have a dream for your life and we want that dream to come true for you. That's why I'm here having this conversation with you right now. That's why my team is ready to take your call, right? Because we want you to have that dream and we have a process that we've been guiding people through for years that works. This is not a process about how to talk to that guy or how to do the tips and tricks of dating. Yes, there, there is a module where we go through best dating practices and we teach you how to effectively engage in the dating world. We do discuss that, but that's not what this process is about. This process is about raising your vibrational state so that you can feel worthy, so that you can live in love, and so that you can effortlessly attract the most fulfilling reality possible. 
you know, I've spent my life studying dating and relationships, but I've also spent my life studying quantum physics, metaphysics, spirituality, Eastern religion, Western religion. And what I've done is I've developed a very clear picture of how this time-space reality we live in works. And in the Inspired Love program, what I've tried to do is I've tried to blend what I know about this time-space reality with, with what I know works in the dating world. And I've brought together a very comprehensive process in which I can guide you to create that reality. And it might sound like a fantasy. I get that. But it's not. You know, I've, I've done it. I'm doing it. So many of my students have done it and are doing it. I have just so many testimonials and, and relationships that have been formed as a result of this process. Like it's not even, it's not even a question anymore. The only question is, are you going to choose to care about yourself enough to take this step for you? That's the only question. All right. So if, um, if you're a yes to that, if you want to know more, um, just shoot me an email again, that's Shane and Fatima at the living or DM me uh, on Instagram. You can just shoot me a message and let me know you're interested in the program. We'll send you all the details. We'll set up a call with you. There's no commitment to take a call, right? You're just getting on to learn about the program, get all your questions answered, and uh, we'd love to have you. So yeah, um, DM me on Instagram or shoot me an email, and uh, we would love to get this process started for you. All right, that being said, Let's go ahead and jump in with some questions. Um, those of you who have questions, go ahead, drop them in the chat, and um, and I will get to as many as I can today. And let me see here. I just want to read through um, some of these comments. I've seen some really amazing comments coming in. Leisha says, the most courageous thing you can do is when they leave you with pain, let them go with nothing but love. What more beautiful legacy can you leave behind? I love that, Leisha. That is so, so beautiful. And, you know, it really is like, what I want to say about that, because it's it's such a difficult uh, concept for people to grasp. Like, why should I love someone who hurt me? You know, and and like, because the it's not about what they did, if they hurt you or not. Like, they are who they are. If they're somebody who hurts people, that's that's who they are, right? But why should who they are determine who you are? And this is where I'm going to say it, and I'm going to be confronted right now, but a lot of you are weak in your own integrity. And I say that with love. I'm not saying that as an accusation, but I'm saying it to bring awareness. A lot of you are weak in your own integrity because somebody else will hurt you, and then you will throw the person that you want to be out the window just to get back at them. That ain't cool, right? If I'm a loving person, if that's who I want to be in the world, if that's the energy I want to embody, if that's the frequency I want to hold, if that's the experience that I want to give people, then it doesn't matter who anyone else chooses to be. It doesn't matter. It only matters that I show up as the person I know I can be. 
And look, we all make mistakes. There, there are many, many times in my life that I don't act out of love. So please don't hear me saying this as, as I'm the perfect person and I got it all together. Like, it's not like that at all. Like, there are many, many times that I act out of love. But this is what I don't do. I don't justify it when I do. Many, many times that my wife and I will get into something and I will do or say something that I will later look back on and say that wasn't very loving. And you know what I do? I apologize every single time. Every single time. I don't justify it because that's not loving. And I want to be a loving person. And actually, apologizing is loving. If you, if you make a mistake and you clean it up, that is loving. So yes, I love that comment, Leisha. Thank you so much for saying that. It's a beautiful comment and it's so true. And, you know, choose love because that's who you are. Who someone else is doesn't matter. Like seriously, it does not matter who someone else is. It matters who you are. And the more firm you become in standing in who you are, the more you will attract people of that same vibration. So beautiful share, Leisha. Thank you. Um, Shara Shard. Is that, I'm just going to ask, is your name Shara Shard? Is that a play on Charizard from Pokemon? Maybe it's not, but that's what I heard. I love Pokemon. Um, Shara Shard says, it's similar to the book, The Secret. Basically put out in the universe what you want, say it and do things that make it a reality. It really does work. Yes, it absolutely does work. I would say, um, just in response to that comment, I would say The Secret, the book and the movie, The Secret, gives a very unrealistic representation of what this all looks like. So the principles that they are expressing, yes, the principles are real. The way they represent it is very unrealistic. And so um, if those ideas are interesting or attractive to you, I would say definitely dive a little deeper with them. Um, Abraham Hicks' work is a great place to go. Um, the Seth work is a great place to go. There's a teacher named Bashar that I've learned a lot from. I definitely recommend checking out Bashar. Um, David Hawkins. David Hawkins is an incredible one. Um I mentioned Ramdas. Ramdas doesn't talk so much about the reality creation so much. Ramdas just talks more about spiritual awareness. But um, yeah, I think like there are definitely there are definitely places to go that give a much more realistic representation of how all this looks. You know, it's it's like it is magical, but it's not magic. Like it, there's a there's a vibrational integrity that keeps everything in place. And you have to be in alignment with that vibrational integrity, right? So it's not magic. It's not just like, I imagined a Ferrari and poof, there's my Ferrari. No, like you've got to become vibrationally in integrity with that Ferrari, right? And then it will manifest. So it's, it's not as simplistic as some of these things make it seem. And I'm somebody who, I think it's important to have a very realistic view of these things because the, the people who give very unrealistic views of these types of things are the people that make it sound like a bunch of bullshit. And so what, what we need are realistic, grounded perspectives on these things so that we can understand them in a realistic way and get that it's actually not bullshit, it's actually true, and these are tools that we can really work with to create our reality. Um, but yeah, great, great, and thank you for sharing that. Um, 
Anasodziak says, yes, matching vibration of what we want by connecting to the vision. Question, how much of it should we do daily? I'm asking because I know being present is super important. And then I think you followed up with another question. Um, so we fantasize about the future and, and find space in the day to be present. Am I too much in my head about it? Yeah, okay. And you're talking about Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, great question. So your question is, uh, how much visualization slash magnetizing versus staying present? So great question. I'm going to start with that one here. Um, and then I see a few other questions here. So I'll get to as many as I can today. Um, let's start with this one. Uh, how much visualization slash magnetizing versus staying present? Um, great question. Great question. And what I want to, what I want to say is, um, it doesn't require a lot of visualization or let me put it this way. It doesn't require any visualization necessarily. I know I talked a little bit about visualization today. So let me clarify this because this is important. The visualization serves as a tool to get you into the right vibrational state. Okay, the visualization serves as a tool to get you into the right vibrational state. Now, once you are in that state, you no longer need the visualization. Okay, so sitting around visualizing endlessly on and on and on, and I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about it that can very easily fall into the vibration of desire. This stuff is, there's a lot of nuance here and it's tricky, right? So that's why I'm really trying to explain this clearly. If you're so focused on getting the vision, right? I'm visualizing it, I'm visualizing it, I'm imagining it, I'm imagining it, I want it so bad, when's it gonna be here? I've been visualizing it for weeks, but it's still not here yet. Why hasn't it manifested? I've been visualizing it and visualizing it, okay? Now you're in the vibration of desire. And it's important to understand that. If your visualization takes you into the domain of grasping at something, wanting something, craving something, now you're off track. So visualization is designed to get you in to the vibrational state. But all you really need to do is live in the vibrational state. So the way it works is when I sit down and, and maybe like we could say if you have a morning meditation practice, it would be a great time to do this. I have a I have a Joe Dispenza meditation that's about intention setting. It's really fantastic. It's one of my favorite meditations I've ever found. Um, if you want it, actually shoot me a DM and I'll send it to you. Uh, it's a great meditation. It's a morning meditation about setting intentions and visualizing an ideal future, an ideal outcome, right? Now, the purpose of this meditation is not to grasp at something I want. The purpose of this meditation is to get me into the vibrational state of already having it. Right? It's to get me into the vibrational state of already having the thing I want. And so when you do the meditation or the visualization practice, you want to get into the feeling of having that thing. So I said earlier, you know, when I, 
when I imagine my love and I imagine our life together and the house we would live in and the kinds of things we would do and the ways we would spend our time and the ways we would speak to each other and the ways we would be romantic together and the ways, the things we would do for each other and all of these things, right? When I'm imagining and visualizing all of this, I'm not doing that to grasp at it. I'm doing that so I can feel how it would feel to have that be a living reality for me. Okay, I'm doing that so I can feel how it would feel to be alive in that experience, to embody the vibrational reality of that vision. Now, once I'm in that vibrational reality, I don't need the picture anymore. Let the picture go. You don't wanna cling to that picture. Actually, here's the thing. When that reality manifests, it's actually going to look different from the picture because the picture was just a mental construction of what you think that vibrational reality would look like. It's not the reality itself. So if you cling to the picture, you're actually disconnecting yourself from the vibrational reality. What you want to do is you want to feel, If remember when I was talking about the chart, right? If I was talking about the chart, every vibrational reality comes with a corresponding emotion and corresponding worldview, okay? What you want to do is get yourself into the state where you feel that corresponding emotion and you see the world through that corresponding perspective, right? That's what you want to do. You want to get yourself into that state and then you want to live in that state. So... To answer the question, only do the visualization or the magnetization practices, only do that to the extent that is needed to get you feeling the proper emotions and seeing life through the proper perspective. Then you drop it and you get present, like you were saying, like Eckhart Tolle's talking about, right? Eckhart Tolle's another great teacher. He doesn't talk a lot about manifestation. He talks about living in the present which ironically is the secret to manifestation. But the thing is, like I want to simplify this as much as I possibly can. The secret is to embody the vibration of love or of my dream come true while living in the current vibrational reality I'm living in. That's the secret. Visualization is only needed as a tool to help you embody that vibration. If you can embody that vibration without visualizing, you don't even need to at all. Because it's not about the picture that you paint. It's about the state that you embody. I hope that's coming through clear. Like I, I, I answered it as clearly as I possibly could. That is the important thing. Get into that state. Maintain that state. Live in that state. Even when things don't go your way. All right. Beautiful question. Thank you for asking. I'm going to move on here to Michelle Dawn. Michelle Dawn says, can you speak to the difference between setting a necessary boundary with my sister and living with love? Yes. Thank you. Beautiful question. Beautiful question. Because living in love... All the time unconditionally does not mean I have no boundaries. This is an important distinction. 
Because a lot of times when I say live in love unconditionally, like you know, I, earlier I said, like Jesus said, right? Love those who hurt you, do good to those who persecute you, right? Now, a lot of people, when I say things like that, what you hear is that you should be a doormat for somebody and let somebody walk all over you. But actually, that's not loving either, right? Because if, if I'm embodying the vibration of love, then I'm also included in that, right? So yes, I'm loving everyone and everything. I'm not judging. I'm not criticizing. I'm not being harsh. I'm not being judgmental, right? There is, there is this unconditional love that I give to everyone and everything equally, but I'm also included in that. So if somebody starts walking all over me, well, the love that I have for myself would say, hey, that's not okay, right? So the thing is, is that I've got to, I've got to walk this balance. How do I want to put this? It's that I've got to see every situation through the perspective of love. And so let's take this example with your sister. And I don't know all the details, but let's just say your sister is maybe being very selfish. Maybe she's being a taker. Maybe she's being manipulative or dishonest or some version of that, right? So let's say you have your sister in your life and she's doing and saying things of this nature that are not okay with you. She's trying to maybe manipulate or hurt or take advantage or walk all over you in some way. Now, if you were to see this situation through the perspective of love, true love, what would it look like? Well, first thing you would recognize is like, I love my sister, right? I love my sister. I care about her. I want the best for her. I want the best possible outcome for her. Now, the second thing you would recognize is I love myself right? I love myself. I care about myself and I want the best possible outcome for me. The third thing you would recognize, and I haven't spoken about this today because it just didn't really fit in the conversation, but it's important, is that the best possible outcome for both of you needs to be congruent, right? Like it can't be the best outcome for her, but not for you or the best outcome for you, but not for her right? That would not be loving. Somebody's losing in that, right? Love means everybody wins and we all win together. The highest possible outcome for everyone. And then what you would recognize underneath that is that it is actually not loving to my sister to allow her to take advantage of me. Why? Because she's not being her highest self. And when I enable someone to not be their highest self, that is actually not me loving them. So in me creating the boundary for myself, loving myself, protecting myself, saying, hey, this isn't okay with me. I'm not going to allow myself to be taken advantage of. I'm not going to allow myself to be hurt like this. I'm loving myself. I'm actually loving her at the same time because I'm saying, hey, you know, taking advantage of people is not in your highest good. You're not being your best self when you do that. And your life, if you live a life built on taking advantage of people, you're not going to be happy, right? Like you're not going to feel good about yourself. You're not going to feel alive. So by me challenging her, I'm actually loving her too. And now what we're doing 
is we're navigating our way to the highest good for everyone. Now, of course, your sister, if you create that boundary and your sister feels like she can't take advantage of you anymore, she might say, well, screw you. I don't need you. You're dead to me. Get out of my life. Maybe. I don't know if she'd be that way, but maybe she would, right? Now, if she takes that response, you'll need to accept that. And that'll hurt. I get that, right? That'll hurt. But at least what's happening now is you have honored your highest good. You have honored her highest good to the degree that you could, to the degree that you were able. And then you let the results be. If she cannot meet you at that vibration of love, right? If you're acting in the vibration of love and she cannot meet you there, then she will fall out of your life. That's just the way it works. What is not vibrationally compatible cannot exist. Okay, so if you elevate yourself in this instance to the vibration of love and she can't meet you there, she's going to fall out of your life. That's just the way it works. And what you can do is you can honor her as a powerful creator capable of creating her own experience responsible for her own life, responsible for her own choices, you can honor all of that. And you can say, my sister, I love you. If this is how you're going to choose to handle the situation, I'm sorry, that hurts me deeply, but I love you anyway. And if you ever want to have a healthy relationship founded in love, my arms are wide open for you, sister. I am right here for you. But if you're not available for right now, that's okay. You go your way, you do your thing, you live whatever life you feel is right for you, and I'll love you from afar. And I'll keep you in my prayers, and I'll keep sending you good vibes, and I'll keep wishing the best for you. And if something ever changes in that, and you're ready to open up to a more loving relationship with me, I'll be right here waiting with arms wide open. And... This same situation can apply to anyone you're dating, to anyone you've been on dates with, to anyone you're in a relationship with, in any romantic context, the same principle can apply, right? Unconditional love. There is nothing you could ever do that would make me hate you. There is nothing you could ever do that would make me judge you or criticize you. There is nothing you could ever do because I choose love no matter what. And if you're going to choose to not show up for me, to not be committed, to play games, to be inconsistent, my love for myself is going to create a boundary. I won't stop loving you. I'll just create a boundary. That's all. I'm going to say, sorry, I don't think I can see you anymore. Why? Because we've been dating for a few weeks now and you've been very inconsistent and you haven't shown a lot of effort and you only want to see me on your schedule and your convenience and you don't seem to show a lot of care for what I want in this relationship. And based on that, my love for myself just says this isn't a fit. Right? Just isn't a fit. I'm not going to stop loving you. I'm not going to stop wishing you well. I'm just going to make a new choice about the direction I want my life to go. 
I want everyone to hear this, and, and this is tough, especially when you look at all the horrible things happening in the world. There is nothing that ever happens that justifies a lack of love. And that's a tough pill for some people to swallow. There are things that justify, I think you need to go to prison. There are things that justify, like we've been talking about, creating strong boundaries with someone. There are things that justify, I mean, like, look, certain actions justify certain responses. Right? If someone, if I'll just take the example. If somebody broke into my house and they stole my possessions, I would call the police. I would report it. I would want the person found. I would want to be um, compensated for the harm that they caused. I would want reparations to be made. I would want them to serve whatever consequence was appropriate for the harm that they caused. And I would want them to, you know, pay for their crimes in that way. Right? But nowhere in that would I need to stop loving them. In fact, I could even say that catching them, holding them accountable for their actions, having them serve payment, whether it's jail time or recompensation or whatever, but having them make amends for what they did and holding them accountable like that, I could say that is even the best way to love them. But nowhere in that do I have to stop loving somebody. And I want everyone to hear this. There is nothing that could ever happen that would justify having a lack of love for someone. And when you really get that and you start to love unconditionally like that in every situation, no matter what, watch how quickly love comes into your life in all the ways you want it to. It has to. It's vibrational law. It's the way that God created the universe. Big conversation today, I know. But I'm not here to play around. <laughs> Get right to the heart of the matter. Okay, Reiki Rami, uh, what would you say to someone who's heartbroken and is letting that person keep them in a reality they don't want to be in anymore? Ooh, great question. Great question. Thank you for the question, Rami. Um, and this might be the last one today. I think, uh, I think we're hitting about time here. So I'm, I'm going to end with this one today, but great question. What would I say to someone who's heartbroken and is letting that person keep them in a reality they don't want to be in anymore? Okay. That's tough. That's tough, right? Because, um, you know, grief is... Grief is an interesting thing. And I'm actually, I'm, I'm really glad you bring up this question, Rami, because... You know, while we talk about living in the vibration of love and remaining in an elevated state, remaining in a high vibration and all this, like sometimes it can be misconstrued that you should feel good all the time. And that's just not true. I mean, we all have fluctuations, right? Things go up and down. Things like nothing is static. Nothing is constant, right? You just... Just being human means that you're going to wake up feeling great some days, not so great other days. That just kind of comes with the territory. So, yes, when you live in a certain vibration, there are dominant emotions you'll experience most of the time. Like if we were to look at 10 years of your life, there would be certain, if you were living in a very high vibration for 10 years, 
a lot of that time you would be experiencing high vibrational emotions. But it doesn't mean there wouldn't be peaks and valleys. Like all of us fluctuate in our energy field, right? All of us, we just, we fluctuate, we do. And so grief, you know, especially if like, say a loved one died or you're going through a really bad breakup or, you know, you're grieving some kind of loss that tends to create a, I'll say a depressed season in your life. And a lot of times these big heartbreaks or these big losses are things that I would consider to be karmic. If you go back to what we were talking about earlier, where these are things that in a way were like predestined. These, they're major life lessons, right? Like I believe, I believe that when my wife was diagnosed with cancer and um, we had to go through that cancer journey together, like I believe that was a kind of predestined thing it was one of the core lessons in my life that I had to go through. It was a core curriculum. I actually, um, I, I have never shared this publicly before, but I'll share it now. I remember when I was seven years old, I, I couldn't tell you why or how this came about or anything. I just, I have this very distinct memory. I remember when I was seven years old, laying in my bed, pretending I had a girlfriend and talking to her about being diagnosed with breast cancer. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know where that came from at seven years old. Like why? Actually, no, I was older. Uh, seven, eight, maybe nine, seven, eight, nine, something like that. Um, I can't tell you where that came from. Like, I have no idea where that came from. Maybe I saw it on TV or something. I don't even know. But I just remember like laying in my bed at seven years old, imagining this, right? And then in my thirties, it happens. It becomes a reality for me. My wife is diagnosed with breast cancer. I, I believe that that was a part of my curriculum. That was a part of my life trajectory. That was one of the experiences that would help make me who I am. And I think I was given that piece of information at seven or eight years old so that when it happened, I would know that it wasn't an accident. That's how I've come to make sense of that within myself. Um, so I think sometimes these major traumas or heartbreaks or sufferings in life are part of our curriculum. They're part of what we need to go through. And what I would say to anybody who is grieving a loss is you need to grieve it. You need to feel whatever you need to feel. You need to go through it. But in Rami's question, she's saying it is letting that person keep them in a reality they don't want to be in anymore. And so the advice I would give to that person is to say that, yes, you're going to need to grieve the experience. You're going to need to move through this. And as you grieve this experience, if you really grieve it in a healthy way, what's going to happen is it's, it's going to become like a major vibrational upgrade for you. It's going to like, when you move through this process, you will have received so much information and so much insight into yourself and into life that it is going to skyrocket your life moving forward. That's only if you grieve in a healthy way. If you fight it and you resist it and you say it shouldn't have happened and you feel like a victim to it, then you will not get that depth of insight and it will not skyrocket your life moving forward. It will actually become part of the prison that you live in. So I say all of this to say that you're going to need to grieve the experience. You're going to need to let yourself feel all of it. You're going to need to move through it. You're going to need to take your time with it. 
But as you're grieving this, remember to love yourself. And what I mean by that is you want to, in the midst of the grieving, plant the seeds for the future life that you want to have. So start investigating, what am I really worth? What do I really deserve in life? You know, this person broke my heart, but what do I really deserve in relationship? Like a lot of people just cling to that person. I can't believe they left me. How do I get them back? What did I do wrong? Just please give me another chance, that kind of stuff. Don't do that. Instead say, okay, this relationship didn't work out. This person hurt me. They broke my heart. They devastated me. What kind of love do I actually deserve? If I had a relationship that wasn't going to end like this, what would that relationship be like? Right? So you want to plant the seeds of your worthiness. You want to start to dream about the life and the love that you could have. You want to start to connect to a greater possibility for your life. Connect to a greater version of yourself. Right? You want to and, and I would say, like, anybody who's grieving a, a big loss, it would be really, really helpful to have a coach or a therapist to work with. Just very, very helpful. I, I would not recommend anybody grieve some major loss without that. Um, because they're going to help you explore these kinds of conversations that would just be really challenging to do on your own. But you explore, what am I worth? What kind of future could I really have? What does that maximum possibility look like for me? You want to explore... What was happening within me that got me into this relationship in the first place, right? What was happening within me that had me be attracted to this person? What red flags did I overlook? What conversations did I not have because I was afraid, right? You want to start to explore all of that kind of stuff too. And also ask yourself, what would the version of me be like who had those conversations, who saw those red flags, who asked those questions, who said no to the things that weren't okay with me, right? Like, what would that version of myself be like? And in the midst of the grief, you're feeling a lot of emotion. Your mind is probably ruminating on all kinds of thoughts, and it's just busy, busy, working overtime, going 100 miles an hour. Right? And this is what grief is like. It's just this very confusing, dark night of the soul where we feel so much and our mind is endlessly moving and, and it's just really hard. Right, And in the midst of all of that, if you can start to ask yourself these questions and you can start to direct yourself to a healthier perception of life and love and who you are as a human being, Healing will happen. Healing will happen. And on the other side of that grief, as you start to grow out of that grief, you will, you will see a whole new vision for yourself and life and love and what is possible for you. It will all look very, very different on the other side of it. You will have actually used the grief as a tool to raise your vibrational state. 
and you will come out of this like a completely new person. This is something I've learned, and I say this going to jail, my grandma's death, my major heartbreaks, my wife, her journey with cancer, like all these things that I would consider, or most people would probably consider like major devastations in our lives, right? Every single one of these things has created a monumental transformation in me. Maybe when I was younger, things like my grandma's death or my first heartbreak, I didn't necessarily have the awareness or the tools to work with them in a way that I could have really gotten the maximum amount of benefit from them. But in later years, I was able to heal that and, and still, and still um, come out the other side and, and gain benefit from it. But all the major tragedies of my life have been incredible upgrades to my life. And this is what we don't always see, right? We don't always see that possibility. So what I would say to that person is recognize that, yes, you're hurting right now. Yes, it's scary. Yes, you feel lost. Yes, things feel dark. But open up to the possibility that this could be the biggest upgrade that you've ever gotten in your life that this could be the process that you're going through right now that changes everything for you. That this could be the, the, the thing that you go through this and nothing is ever the same ever again on the other side of this, right? And start getting really connected to that and do the work through this experience to have that be the result you get on the other side. That's what I would say. Um, I'm going to close it out. We're, we're getting a, a little towards time here, so I'm going to go ahead and close it out. But thank you so much for being with me today. I just want to remind everybody, um, those of you who are interested in working with me and having me kind of guide you step-by-step step through this process, um, the Inspired Love Program is the place we can do that. We've recently released an updated version of the program that is just 100 times more valuable than it's ever been before. Um, it is now a lifetime membership, so you'll be able to get access to the coaching and modules and things forever. Um, it's just, uh, it's, it's so much better than it's been, and it's been amazing for years, but this is, uh, this is another level of it that we're taking it to. So for anyone who would be interested in working with me in that context, um, just go ahead, shoot me a message on Instagram. You can DM me or uh, send me an email. Again, that's Fatima at thelivingrelationship.com. And um, I'd love to chat with you about it and find out if this program is the right thing for you. All right. Lots of love, everybody. Thank you for being with me today. Sending you so much love wherever you are. And I'll see you back here next Tuesday. Take care. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love.